What happened to you? I got my ass kicked. No guns! Let the four on the left. Why don't you take the two on the right and leave the rest? You're not the fastest. Oh, here we go. Very good, faster. Light. The shoe is bigger than this car. Show something! What's the plan? Trap him, find him, kill him. Are you crazy? Could have killed me! You're welcome! Every one of us is expendable! I promise. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. I know you're like, why am I getting a new episode today? It's Sunday. It's the 19th. And Mike, aren't you supposed to be delivering us an episode on Tuesday? I know, I know. Uh, for those of you who are not in the group or saw the Facebook page, I know originally you thought that Friday you were getting the Expendables 1 episode, and then a couple days later you would get the Expendables 2 episode. But if you are in the Facebook group or if you saw the post on Facebook, I said that I was going to be doing both the Expendables 1 and 2 together. I was going to spend half of the show on Part 1 and the other half on Part 2, and then, of course, do a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler section. However, Yesterday was my anniversary. Uh, it's been been 11 years married. Been with my wife for 14 years. Uh, it, it was great. It was awesome. And uh, I love this movie so much that I felt that I had to podcast about it today. Uh, I know most of you are not seeing it today. And I know most of you will probably see it in a couple of days. So feel free. I wanted you to know this review is going to be a little bit different than normal. I'm actually going to be doing one solid review of both films. And I'm going to be comparing both of the movies together. So I'm going to take, uh, let's say, Jason Statham. And I'm going to say this is how he was in part one. This is how he is in part two. And I will do non-spoiler for Expendables 2. Now I know. Uh, you can't really give, there's not really a whole lot of spoilers you need to worry about because it's a action, it's a typical action flick that you, it's very, you know exactly what's going to happen. But there are a little bit tidbits here and there that you just can't give away that I'm not going to. So it's going to be kind of a different review style than I normally have done on the show, which is cool. And uh, hopefully I can keep it a little bit shorter than normal. I just wanted to get this episode out to you because I was super pumped, super excited for it and kind of give you my list of my favorite movies so far this year and kind of tell you why I feel that The Expendables 2 for me is the best movie of the year and uh, even though The Dark Knight Rises is the better film uh, for me The Expendables 2 is my favorite film of the year and I'll get into why I think uh, and feel that way. So before we do uh, let's go ahead and get into some movie and music it's, news. It's too short it's, it's of time. Wait a minute.
All right, now before we start moving music news, I just want to say going forward, there is not going to be any more TV news uh, due to the fact of the Changing Channels podcast is going to be coming out uh, very, very soon. And I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been so supportive of this new podcast. You guys have been great. The show's not even out yet. And uh, we already have like almost 30 followers on Twitter. Uh, the Facebook page has officially been launched, which is www.facebook.com slash Changing Channels Podcast. Uh, Jason, actually, uh, you know, I had a really cool logo that I made. It was like my first one. I was proud of it. But Jason was just kind of messing around a little bit, working on a project. He had some uh, free time and made a really cool killer logo and uh, we all kind of voted on it and thought it was amazing so that is officially up there and then uh, you know in the STL world you guys are called the STL Nation well in the changing channel world you guys are called the the CCP channel surfers and uh, we got a group started for that and we got most of the people from the STL group already in there Uh, lots of support going on Jameson and I are going to be recording that next week Next week, there won't be a new episode of Sweet Delay Podcast just because I need to focus on that first episode, make sure things are good, make sure the first episode kicks off with a bang. Very excited for it. You guys are very excited for it. So I don't want to disappoint. So I just want to give you a heads up that all TV news is going to be going is shifting over to that podcast. Uh, that way, obviously, since it's once a month, I'll have a lot of news to talk about, build up. Uh, if there's something that's dire killer that needs to be spoken about now obviously i'll cover it but for the most part all tv news is going to be shifting away and going directly to that podcast so next week no new episode from stl but the changing channels episode will hopefully be out to you next week so be on uh, be on the lookout for that i am super excited we are recording friday this upcoming friday the 24th so get your emails in to uh, changing channel. Uh, it's called CC Podcast at Gmail. Sorry, it's CC Podcast One at uh, gmail.com. I was originally wanted CC Podcast, but somebody already had it, so I had to add the one to it. So it's CC Podcast One at gmail.com. The first episode we're going to be talking about is in living color. So get your thoughts. Uh, your loves, your concerns, your favorite skits, all that good stuff, send it that way over there. So, first bit of news for movies. I uh, just saw the trailer for The Last Stand, which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's official movie comeback. Uh, Of course, he's in The Expendables too, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But this is his full-blown feature film movie in 2013. It's where uh, he's a sheriff. And he does a really good job of making fun of himself in the trailer by saying how old he is and stuff. But it's a but it's a bunch of guys that uh, breeze through the town, and uh, he's got to take a stand against these guys. And it looks flipping great. And then of course the tomb, which is going to be his movie along with uh, Sylvester Stallone. I talked about in the last episode. That's going to be coming out as well next year. But uh, what's really kind of cool is there has been an announcement of two new Expendable movies. But it's not the Expendables that I'm going to be talking about today. One of them is going to be an all-female cast of Expendables. So they officially haven't announced who is going to be in this one. But uh, the likes of the ones that they would like to get would be like uh, Uma Thurman. They would like to get uh, Cynthia Rothrock. 
Um, well, actually, Cynthia Rothrock, she's going to be in another one I'll talk about in a second. But in this one, they'd like to get like Angelina Jolie, Mila Jolovich, Uma Thurman, Bridget Fonda, Lucy Lawless. Uh, you know, some of those people, Sharon Stone, just because, you know, she was in Total Recall. So the that's going to be that's in the works right now. They don't have anybody officially cast for that, but I'm looking forward to it. But the movie that has been... Uh, confirmed and has gotten a group of people together is the B team and what it is it's a bunch of B version dudes from films that uh, from the 80s like VHS heroes like Don the Dragon Wilson Mark Dacagos uh, Cynthia Rothrock Michael Dudikoff from American Ninja you know all those guys are coming together to make the B team and I cannot wait for that movie it's going to be so bad but so good and that is officially confirmed and being worked on now I love Don the Dragon Wilson Cynthia Rothrock is great uh, I love me some Mark Dacagos uh, he was actually in a movie called Only the Strong but he also played Eric Draven in the Crow Stairway to Heaven TV show so he is an excellent martial artist so I'm very excited for that uh, B team. I can't wait to see it when it comes out. I love me some American Ninja. That's a super fun film series. So it's going to be good times. Now there's this rumor going around. That Vin Diesel is going to be in the Expendables. Not Expendables 2. Uh, the Avengers 2. He changed his Facebook profile picture to Vision. Which is a Marvel character. Like a Marvel Comics character. And there's rumors going around. That he is going to be in Avengers 2. But nothing is official yet. And who knows, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to cast him. But at the same time, it's probably just he felt like changing it to that character. But I don't know a lot of people that love that character enough to change their Facebook status picture to that. But who knows, who cares? So it's just an interesting rumor. We shall see. And then, of course, Top Gun 2 uh, is up in preparation right now. Tom Cruise is back playing Maverick so we shall see how that all comes to play and then we have Winona Ryder and Jason Statham they are set to be uh, in a new movie together which ought to be pretty interesting and the movie is uh, going to be called uh, Homefront she's in talks to officially join Jason Statham is written by Sylvester Stallone and by the bunch of the Expendable film crew or you know like the same team that brought you the Expendables it's currently in the works there but uh, yeah it's essentially she's gonna be playing like a former biker chick uh, and James Franco is gonna be in the film that not really a whole lot of information I know about it but it's gonna be something that uh, could be cool cuz Winona Ryder she uh, you know I like her she's cool and Jason Statham you know I love that guy he's great so I'm looking forward to the trailer hopefully the trailer will entice me to want to go check it out probably not obviously go see it in the theater but I will definitely want to check it out on DVD if I'm dig if I'm digging the trailer. But usually nine times out of ten, I check out all Jason Statham movies. So, and the final piece of movie news is the Avengers two already has a release date. It's going to be May first, two thousand fifteen. Uh, we are set to uh, you know we're going to get the Iron Man three. We're going to get Thor: The Dark World. We're going to get Captain America: The Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy before we get Avengers two. So. Uh, but Josh Whedon, you know, or Josh, not Josh, but Josh Whedon is returning as writer and director of Avengers 2. So looking forward to it. But yeah, May 1st, 2015. So not as far away as most people thought it was going to be. But uh, yeah, that's it for that's it for movie news. Now, let's go ahead and get into some music news. All right. So for music news, we're going to be starting a new format. 
which the new format I talked about is that we're going to be going over to the iTunes charts and just uh, kind of reviewing those a little bit and find some interesting things to talk about. So the first bit of news, which is pretty big, is uh, might as well start off right, is the top 10 singles on iTunes. And of course, the biggest one is number one, which is Taylor Swift's We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. So why did I want to talk about this one? Well, number one, it's Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm not a big country guy. My wife is the country person. However, I do love me some Taylor Swift. She's always great times. One of the things I love and respect about Taylor Swift is the fact that she writes her own music. Not a lot of artists out there today write their own music. Uh, you know, typical example of this would be like if you look at Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera or whatever. Uh, a lot of those people always had to have somebody else write their music. But Taylor Swift, not only does she write all of her own music, and I'm talking lyrics, but she actually does the music. Like her very last CD Speak Now is actually every single track she did all the music to that by herself. Normally you have a co-writer with you. However, her last CD she did full-blown all the music, all the lyrics to that CD. So of course she comes out with, uh, with something that's pretty cool with this song. Uh, this one was written with Max Martin, which Max Martin is like the king of like... You want to make a number one song, you go see this guy. I mean, we're talking some Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. We got some Sync, Bye Bye Bye. We got Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time. I mean, obviously, he does a lot of pop stuff, but this is the guy that knows how to make a great song. So she was in the studio. She was working with Max Martin and uh, one of her ex-boyfriends. Uh, you know, she was, she was working with two songwriters and producers this time around. She kind of wanted to change things up a little bit. But one of her... Um, uh, her ex-boyfriend walked into the studio and was speaking rumors that he had heard that uh, she wanted to uh, get back together with them. And uh, after he left, she was just complaining about him. And what's funny is that uh, both of the writers are like, hey, you know, why don't you tell me a little bit of the story? And she's like, well, it's a it's a breakup, get back together kind of thing. It's just it's the worst. And he suggested they write about the incident. She began playing the guitar and. Uh, it's like one of those songs that kind of wrote itself. It was done in just a little bit, which I love songs like that. And of course, the song immediately broke some major records here, okay? Uh, this single uh, was premiered on August 13, 2012 during her live channel YouTube. And then it was released as a digital download on, on iTunes. Then the song blew up. Essentially, what happened is, is upon its release, uh, within uh, 50 minutes... It uh, hit the top position in iTunes, and it broke the previous record that was held by Lady Gaga's Born This Way, uh, which she had done in uh, in an hour. And then, of course, it became the fastest-selling single in digital history. It also reached the top of iTunes in 29 countries. And the song debuted at number 72 on the Billboard Top 100 on just two days of uh, radio airplay alone and then of course it entered at number 25 in the hot 100 airplay with 40 million audiences checking it out so anyways this song needless to say is blowing up and what's it's a little bit different than your normal uh taylor swift song because of the fact it's got like a a popish bubblegum pop kind of song to it and the the chorus is just ridiculously catchy i mean it's just unflipping believable catchy uh, if you don't know what i mean check it out
So as you can see, you can kind of see right off the bat why people are just digging this song. And I guess the country version, which I didn't think there would be, I guess is speeding up the, uh, they're, they're changing around a little bit. So they're going to be doing like banjos, violins in there, and they're going to have it at like a faster tempo. So we'll check it out and see how it is. So that is it for the for the charts. Uh, we have some Flo Rider up in there. He's got the number two spot. Maroon 5, One More Night is number four. Justin Bieber, of course, that guy never goes away. He's at number six. The American Idol winner of last year of this past year, Philip Phillips, is home. He's at number seven. So the, the biggest part, though, you need to check out is uh, number one. We are never, ever getting back together. So for the bit of music news for the next episode, I'm going to be talking about the P.O.D. album that had entered the rock charts at uh, number one when the album came out, but has been causing some controversy, which I will get into why it's been causing some controversy on the next episode. We will get into all the details. But for now, let's get into the review of The Expendables 1 and The Expendables 2. They are the world's greatest mercenaries. The only life they've ever known is war. The only loyalty they've ever had is to each other. Drop your guns! Let the four on the left. Why don't you take the two on the right and leave the rest? You're not that fast anymore. Oh, here we go. The only thing faster is... Light. Exactly. We'll see. Well, I got three pieces of work. Two will walk in the park, one the hell and back. So, we are working for the agency. I gotta recon this island first. The only thing you need to know is the job's real and the money's real. Give this job to my friend here. He loves playing in the jungle. Right? Right. It's his problem. Who's that the contact? Follow me, please. People who fight back are killed. Now you have a dying place. Maybe you can help. I don't think so. How you I'd leave. What's wrong with this picture? Everything. We don't have the manpower, the firepower. We'd be dead in the water. Ray, they got a small army. What do we got? Four and a half men. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's not easy being your friend. We will kill this American disease. I promised myself when I die for something counts. People live for terrible times, but you must believe you can survive. Ten seconds, you won't believe what's gonna happen.
Somebody's hooked. And I pronounce you man a knife. You and your little psychotic gang of monsters. Today is payback. Six months of pure plutonium is powerful enough to change the balance of the world. Imagine what five tons would do. You're gonna need more men if you expect to get out of here alive. I'm back! You can't let the contents of that safe fall into the wrong hands. What's the plan? Track them, find them, kill them. So the Expendables. So here's how we're going to be doing the review. Essentially, I'm going to just give you the overall, you know, quick synopsis of the part one and part two. And then I'm just going to take each character and I'm going to talk about uh, what I liked about them in part one, what I didn't like. And then in part two, why that character became so much better. Because in part two, part two is not only better than part one, but it takes everything that lacked in part one, made it better took out all the things that didn't work in part one and uh you know didn't obviously include it in part two and took the some of the some of the minor stuff in part one and expanded on to part two so part two overall is way way better than part one and i really enjoy part one so that's essentially how i'm going to be doing this so the expendables i mean when this movie first you know was thought of i was like it was like a dream come true having like uh, Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren and Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Jason Statham and Jet Li and all these guys in a movie. I was like, this is like an action dreamers come true. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, as I've said before, is my all-time favorite action hero, even above Dwayne Johnson, of course. I love him. For me, he's the he's the king of action, always has, always will be. Uh, now, unfortunately, in part one, He's got a small cameo, and that's it. Same thing goes for Bruce Willis. Small cameo, and that's it. When we get to part two, he gets expanded on, which I will get into in just a little bit. But this movie originally, number one, came out in 2010. And uh, when the movie came out, uh, it was released on August 13th. And uh, my anniversary is August 18th. So it's pretty cool. This movie, it was kind of like our anniversary present going to see this film. And then, of course, number two was our, we actually saw our anniversary because it came out on August 17th, part two did. And uh, it's some pretty good times. And essentially, it's about a film of uh, elite mercenaries that have to take up a mission. And these guys are, you know, they're the expendables. You know, they're a bunch of old guys with a few young talents in there. Uh, it's but, of course, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's all of our old-school action heroes coming together 
to do a big awesome movie for us. So in part one, their mission is to overthrow a Latin American dictator whom they soon discover is just a mere puppet because there's uh, this guy is essentially controlled by a ruthless ex-CIA officer who's played by Eric Roberts. And of course, the movie pays tribute to the blockbuster action films of the 80s, early 90s, and it's just great. We got some Sylvester Stallone in there. We got Eric Roberts, Dolph Lundgren, Jet Li, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger makes the cameo, Randy Kocher, which is an MMA fighter, Jason Statham, Terry Crews, Steve Austin's in there. Now, part one is really Sylvester Stallone and Jason Statham movie. The other guys are just pretty much in the background. Um, Sylvester Stallone plays the character of Barney Ross. Now, he is the main guy, and, and of course, in part one, he is the uh, he's the writer and the director of the film. He's the writer of part two. Uh, part of it, it was also written by somebody else, but he did not direct part two because he wanted to focus more on the acting and just coaching people and just getting everything much, much better than part one. All right, so the difference between Sylvester Stallone in part one and part two. Okay, so Sylvester Stallone is the main character, and star of both of these films. That doesn't change between part one and part two. The biggest difference between part one and part two is is the fact of the focus has changed between Jason Statham's character, Lee Christmas, Sylvester Stallone's character, Barney Ross, and having everybody else be in the background versus in part two, everybody gets to, gets to work together and have the same amount of screen time as, uh, I mean, Stallone and Statham, gets a little bit more but they have done a great job of bringing uh, Terry Crews character Randy Kocher Dolph Lundgren back into be the main characters of part two which is flipping amazing I just love it it was great because I thought they kind of took a back seat in part one versus in part two Uh, Dolph Lundgren I mean in part one he was just kind of a, a crazy uh, dude off of his rocker that uh, we really saw in the beginning of the film take out some dudes uh, bust their body up in half uh, go crazy get kicked out of the expendables come back as kind of a bad guy almost killed jet lee taken out of the film and then shows up at the very end of the film in part two he's even funnier than he was in part one uh, his attitude uh, he gets to talk a lot more and the cool thing is i'm not going to say what it is but they bring a real aspect of his life that he did and they work it into the film. So uh, what he learned in college and what he actually has a master degree in will come into play in part two. There's a really great scene where he almost is like becoming the hero of the scene. And that there's a particular scene in part two where the Expendables kind of get trapped and he uses his uh, he's like look i have an idea here's what we're gonna do and this is something that in real life he could really pull off because he has an actual master degree in and in the film it's a really great scene everybody's like you're like okay the dude's taking over and then you will find out if it actually works or it doesn't work but it's good times. Dolph Lundgren gets uh, much more better screen time in part two than he does in part one. Big fan of Dolph Lundgren. Good times. Love him in uh, Big not Big Trouble in Little China. Showdown in Little Tokyo. That movie had some Brandon Lee up in there. It was good times. Uh, he was definitely much, much better in part two. Now, Jason Statham's character, 
which is uh, Lee Christmas. He is the knives guy. Now, Jason Statham is a, an excellent martial artist. Uh, he has really great scenes in part one. Uh, some of the problem with part one, though, during the fight scenes is especially towards the second half of the film, uh, a lot of the camera work was going pretty fast. It was really hard to kind of see some of the moves that were going on in part two. Uh, they fix it. There's one scene where the you've seen it in the trailers where uh, they are crashing the plane. He goes, I don't think you're going to you're not doing what I think you're going to do. Are you? He's like, yeah, I am. And that's when he crashed the plane and you see the wings fall off. Well, the the plane is shaking really, really bad. So there's an actual within the camera work itself. The camera work is done much, much better in part two. Uh, that's the really only time where it's shaky. So there's like where you see Dolph Lundgren trying to rescue somebody. You can't really tell what's going on, but because of the fact that the plane is shaking so much, it's kind of you really have to pay attention to what's going on in that scene. But that's the biggest uh, scene in part two where you get a shaky cam. Otherwise. The fight scenes of part two are done so much better. You can see everything. We got a lot of wide angle shots in part two versus in part one. We had a lot of close-ups. So there was a lot of shaky cam. And Jason Statham fights were really good in part one. But due to the fact of the shaky cam and the close-ups, it was hard to see everything he was doing with the knife fights and the bone breaking. But in part two, uh, wider shots. So you get to see everything that is done. Now, the, the gore in this film is taken to a whole new level. In the beginning of part one, when you see the guys taking out all those dudes and they and like Dolph Lundgren blows a guy in half, the first 10 minutes of Expendables 2, I mean, we don't even get to see the title sequence because they're immediately, the action is off the wall crazy, man. You see dudes, you see guys' heads being blown off. You see arms flying everywhere. You see leg parts flying everywhere. Uh, you know, you see in the trailers where uh, they use the uh, the vehicles and they put it down and they crash through stuff. Well, that's how the beginning of the movie starts off. And they're in these vehicles and they have these funny lines. And then Jet Li gets into a fight in the beginning of part two, which his fight scenes are done so much better than in part one because of the fact of with the shaky cam. He has a really great fight in part two. He actually starts off the fighting in part two, which is really great stuff. But uh, overall, though, Jason Statham character, he was just as funny in part two as he was in part one. Uh, him and Stallone, Barney, are still really great friends. He's the knife expert, obviously, of the film. And uh, he's kind of the the workman's hero, you know, the guy you go out and have a beer with. The cool thing is they do have his girlfriend, which uh, Charisma Carpenter, a.k.a. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Cordelia, a.k.a. Angel. Uh, she does make a return in part two. I won't say how long she's in the film. However, her and Christmas are still together in part two. So if you are a fan of those two in part one being together, they are in fact in part two. However, if you did not like her character, uh, don't worry as far as screen time goes because of the fact of they spend just enough time with those two to where if you don't like her character, it's not going to bother you too much. Everything will be will be just fine. So Jason Statham character uh, improves on part one because of the fact of his knife skills have gotten better, his fighting's better, but most of all, he's become a better warrior. Uh, he's even more loyal to Barney than he was in part one, and uh, he has a lot more 
if you thought he had balls in part one, he has even more balls because of the fact of there's this one particular scene in part two where there's a confrontation with one of the bad guys. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is the bad guy in part two, which I'll talk about the bad guys in just a minute. Uh, but his henchman has a confrontation with Jason Statham. And here's the thing. In part two, one of the Expendables dies. I did not know who that was going to be. Uh, you can, If you didn't know that there's somebody who was going to die in part two, it's not really a spoiler alert because it's in the trailer. Uh, we're going to find him, hunt him, and kill him. However, I didn't know who it was going to be. So there's a particular scene where you know somebody's going to die. And let's just say that uh, Jason Statham, I won't say if it's him that dies or it's not him that dies. But uh, his confrontation scene between one of the bad guys where you think he's going to die, he, he's he's a very stand-up stand guy, and he's become a much, much better warrior uh, in part two than he is in part one. So Jason Statham character, I love him so much. Uh, he is just excellent, excellent, excellent in part two. All right, so let's talk about... Uh, the character of Jet Li. So in part one, Jet Li is the hand-to-hand combat expert. There's a lot of comedy in part one with him because of the fact of he is the smallest of the group. Uh, he, In regards to smallest, I mean by shortest of the group. Everybody's a lot taller than he is. And he is the, the most skinny compared to the other guys. But he's obviously super, super fast. I mean, you saw the epic fight between him and Dolph Lundgren. Uh, was really great. And they have the same chemistry together in part two that they do in part one. There's this thing where he's like, uh, did you win? And then Jet Li would always say, I always win. Well, of course, they have that same dynamic in part two that they had in part one between uh, Jet Li and Dolph Lundgren. So if you love that aspect in part one, you're going to get that in part two. Uh, my only complaints of uh, part two, which I will save at the very end, does actually revolve around Jet Li. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is right now. Uh, I'm going to give just a brief spoiler warning uh, for like a minute and I'm going to say what it is. And uh, it does involve Jet Li. Uh, That's my problem with part two. And we won't, uh, like I said, we're not going to talk about it now. But overall, his character in part one was really great. He had a lot of great fight scenes, however, with the shaky cam. Really hard to see his fights in part two. Fight scenes are done so much better. Uh, Far away shots. He's more creative in his fighting in part two. Uh, in regards to kitchen utensils, uh, you kind of do the math. And uh, he does a great, great job in part two. Love his character. Uh, again, he's always funny with Dolph Lundgren. Those two work really great off each other. So my overall uh, my overall consensus with Jet Li is uh, I like his character a lot. Uh, you will enjoy him more in part one than you will in part two, though. And uh, in the spoiler part, uh, which I said will be very short, uh, you'll find out why that is when I get into that section. So let's move on to the next expendable, which would be Terry Crews. So Terry Crews. Now, a lot of people didn't really know who Terry Crews was. However, uh, he is mostly uh, a guy you would see on TV. Uh, Really, he used to be a football player. But uh, he was uh, Julius in the UPN CW sitcom Everybody Hates Chris. He was also in White Chicks, The Fifth Day. Uh, he was like a he wasn't very famous in the fifth in the sixth day. I think he was in the background, but uh, he you know was an NFL player, and uh, of course he is just uh, he's a great guy. In, in Expendables, super, super fun. Uh, again, in part one, he 
takes uh, kind of takes the back road. This guy, he loves the big guns. He fires the big stuff. He's the one that fires the the bazookas, the missiles, the stuff that cuts people in half because he's got the big guns to hold the big guns. You know, and what I mean by that is his big arms. He's got the big arms to hold the big guns. So he, he's kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime kind of guy on the team so he's the guy that's always in charge of holding that stuff his character's name is hail caesar now uh why is he better in part two well for a couple different reasons number one way more screen time than he ever got in part one which is great because he only got like maybe 10 minutes and this one he easily gets at least 20 to 30 minutes of screen time in this film he's always with the guys the cool thing with part two is you see the guys grouped together a lot. There's not a lot of separation. It's always them against the world, and they all have dialogue going at all times, which is really, really great. Each one of these guys play off well one another. You can tell that they're all really great friends in real life, and uh, his chemistry is really great because he is the uh, the funnier guy of the group in regards to uh, just the way he looks, uh, his comments that he makes. Uh, he's definitely a good time. So in part two, uh, his game got stepped up to a whole nother level because of the fact of he got to be uh, much better with the weapons. He has the best line against Arnold Schwarzenegger in part two than any other character does. Uh, and that really happens in uh, when when him and Schwarzenegger come in contact with each other. There's a, a piece of dialogue that's spoken between him and Schwarzenegger that's just great and immediately sets the tone for part two. Because like I said, in part two, uh, you're you're off to right track when the, in the first 10 minutes you see body parts blowing up all over the place. It immediately sets the tone for part two. And my wife was just like immediately she's like, wow, I can tell what we're in for. They're like, they're starting this off already with the bang i know what kind of ride we're on for part two and oh so flipping good but i gotta talk about my theater experience in just a little bit but terry cruz character he was very good in part one but again not enough screen time part two his game got stepped up got even more screen time uh again very good guy now next character is randy uh randy culture as uh toll road now he's the demolitions expert uh, he's like the glue that holds all these dysfunctional guys together. Uh, technically speaking, because of the fact of he's a champion MMA fighter, they've had numerous conversations about who would be the most biggest ass kicker out of the whole group and who could totally take anybody down and it would be him. Uh, I guess he, he tore up a bunch of stunt guys on the first movie. He takes out one of the bad guys in part one, which is Stone Cold Steve Austin, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but uh, he definitely, uh, I would say he gets better. He's better in part one than he is in part two. And that's not a bad thing because of the fact of he is more in the background. Uh, however, he got to fight more in part one than he does in part two. But overall, his character had more lines in part two. Uh, he His character is used better in part two. It's just fighting wise. If you're loving his fighting style, you will see more of that in part one than you will in part two. But I don't have a problem with that just because of the amount of people that we had in Expendables 2. A few things had to be cut and some of his fighting style being cut down, I'm totally fine with. But his character wasn't used less than it was in part one. It's just his fighting style was. So overall, uh, that I can tell you, if you if you love his fighting style, just be on the lookout for part two 
that it won't be nearly as much as you get in part one, but what you do see, you are totally going to enjoy uh, in in part two. So they do a really good job with what we got here. Then we have uh, Mickey Rourke, and he is known as Tool. Now, uh, Mickey Rourke's character, uh, he's kind of, uh, he's been best buds with uh, Sylvester Stallone's character. He doesn't really do anything in part one. He is the more dramatic side of the Expendables. Uh, what I mean by that is in the movie itself, not of the actual group. You know, in Expendables 1, there's this talk about uh, should he go back and rescue uh, this girl, which, uh, you know, the, the main dictator of the country, uh, his daughter is somebody that, uh, that Stallone is very connected with. And uh, he actually has a talk with uh, with Mickey Rourke about, you know, expressing his feelings. And, you know, they have a really good conversation about how he let a woman commit suicide during the uh, Bosnian War instead of finding redemption by saving her. Uh, his motivation for, you know, uh, he, he like blamed himself because he let her commit suicide and try to attempt her. And, of course, that motivates Ross to go on back to uh, to go back and get Sandra. And, uh, and so that emotional scene was really good in, in part one. Um, he is not in part two. Uh, they wanted to offer him the role in part two. He didn't take it. Now, is uh, Mickey Rourke a loss not being in part two? No, because there's actually one emotional scene that happens in part two that is actually better than the emotional scene that happens in part one. And like I said, the most emotional scene in part one is the speech between Mickey Rourke and uh, Sylvester Stallone and the emotional scene in part two is the scene where uh, a certain individual gets killed in the film i'm not going to say who it is i'm not going to say where it happens but you will kind of have a feeling oh boy you're going to be in a situation where all the expendables are facing van damme and he's going to kill one of them you don't know who it is you have an idea who you think it is and then it will change to somebody else and then it's going to change and you're just going to have – you're going to be like – you will be very shocked who it is because of the fact of who it is that they kill off in part two. It's kind of shocking because of the fact of um, – man, with I guess I will save that for the spoilers. I'll have two spoilers that, I'll, that I'm going to save because I, I do have to – I do have to talk about it a little bit, but let's just say that that emotional scene where an expendable is killed off in part two, way better emotional scene than it is in part one. Again, uh, part two focuses on the humor and the action versus in part one, we had humor, we had action, and we had a lot of emotional scenes. They get rid of all the emotional stuff in part two. They just go full-blown uh, non-stop action and comedy is how they do in a part two. And they have the emotional scene be when the expend when one of the expendables dies. That's your, that's your formula for part two. It works so much better because of the fact of in part one, uh, we had some pacing issues, you know, we had, we had action, but then it would kind of take a little seat to where we get some, uh, we'd spend a lot of time on story, uh, mostly when they're going to investigate, you know, Stallone and Statham are going to investigate uh, when they go down to Valina and, and check it out. And there's just a lot of emotion between Stallone and the girl and everything. And then we get some comedy and then we get the emotional scene with Mickey Rourke. And then we finally get some action. So it just really moving wise, it was okay, but it wasn't great. But part two is uh, action 
comedy, action, comedy, uh, a, a scene that you think slows down and then immediately action starts up. There's actually one scene in the movie where my wife jumped out of her seat because of the fact of there's dialogue being spoken and then all of a sudden there's gunfire that happens and she's just like, whoa, she jumped up out of her seat like, holy crap, I wasn't expecting that. So Expendables 2 is much faster paced than part one. It hits every single beat that it needs to hit and that's what I love about it is the fact of you know exactly what you're going to get in part two. And it not only delivers everything that it promised, but it goes above and beyond by giving you winks to the audience, by giving you great comedic timing, uh, great comedic lines. And the action totally takes the action scenes of part one, makes it better. I didn't see any CGI blood in this one versus in part one. And uh, it's just really, really great. So emotional-wise, Mickey Rourke's not a part two. However, uh, it does not default because of the fact of, um, you know, we get that excellent emotional scene in part two. All right. Now, before we get into the new blood of the Expendables, because there's some new characters, let's talk about the villains real quick between part one and part two. So in part one, we had Eric Roberts as James Monroe. He is the ex-CIA agent and Stone Cold Steve Austin is Dan Payne is his right-hand man. Now, the difference between these two guys and Van Damme is Van Damme is two guys in one. Not only is he an awesome bad guy, but he can also whoop your rear end. Because Eric Roberts, as good as the bad guys he can be, he doesn't fight anybody. And, you know, and I know he can fight because he told, he kicks the major rear end in uh, the best of the best movies. However, uh, in this, in the Expendables films, uh, he's really, you know, he's the main bad guy. It's not the dictator that you think it is. It's really Eric Roberts and Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's definitely a mean son of a gun. He is all about, uh, you know, he. I mean, he's willing to kill and you know women and children. I mean, that's just the kind of guy we're dealing with here. But Van Damme, holy crap! So not only is he amazingly awesome in part two, it's great to see Van Damme back on the big screen, but the fight scene between him and Stallone is just great. You know, we get the long shots of him being able to do his long kicks in the air. You know, the the spinning helicopter kicks that he does just like in the old school days. My wife is actually wondering if he could still do that and pull that off. Now, what's really cool is uh, Van Damme had a problem with the fight scene uh, between him and Stallone. And he was really afraid to talk to Stallone about that because, you know, he has a lot of respect for Stallone, but he didn't want to make him mad. But uh, he eventually uh, wanted to, he was telling everybody else on the set how unhappy he was with how the fight was going to be. He wrote a note to Stallone about it. However, he went to his trailer. He's like, hey, I have a note for you I wanted to give you. He couldn't find the note. So Stallone's like, what is it? He goes, well, you know, I wanted to respectfully decline and tell you how I'm not very happy with the fight scene. You know, it should really go this way. And Stallone's like, why don't you go ahead and design it? And then, you know, after he left the trailer, he found the note. It was pretty cool. But uh, the whole fight scene between him and Stallone, man, was that some good stuff? Let's put it this way. You're taking Rocky Balboa against, uh, you know, Bloodsport. I mean, that's the kind of fight that you have, okay? So take, like, your favorite Rocky film, whether it be Rocky 3, 4, whatever, okay? And I'm talking, like, where we got, like, the, the gold knuckle things on his fist, okay? Like Rocky Five style against the Bloodsport Van Damme. You're going to get an awesome fight, okay? And that's exactly what we got it uh, when these two go at it. Uh, the fighting's great. No shaky cam, like I said. Uh, Van Damme does a great whooping on some Sylvester Stallone. And uh, Sylvester Stallone does an awesome whooping on Van Damme. 
this is towards the end of the film, and like I told you, I'm not going to tell you who wins. you got to find out for yourself. You may have an idea who wins, but it may also surprise you at the same time. Let's just say it's a really great fight. It's a lot better between than uh, Stallone and Steve Cold, Steve uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's fight. That fight is completely lame compared to the fight that happens between him and Van Damme. Van Damme did an excellent, excellent job in designing this fight. It looks great. It's not as great as the Van as the Vin Diesel versus Dwayne the Rock Johnson fight in Fast Six, but this fight's really well. I, I can kind of take that back because they do some serious hardcore stuff to each other in this one. So it's an excellent fight between these two. Van Damme is great. I mean, this guy, he has no heart whatsoever. He is all about killing and respect. Killing and respect. I mean, this guy murders. Can uh, He will murder a kid right in front of you. I mean, that's just the, the cold-hearted nature of Van Damme in this film, man. He is just, oh, He's, you know, he is basically the uh, the former member of the French Foreign Legion. Uh, he's been on destroying the world, even if it costs him his own life. And he was originally going to be in part one, but they failed to come to an agreement. So unfortunately, never took the part. But, uh, you know, he what's really cool is he intentionally was distant from the cast and crew during the filming so he could stay in character. And uh, it's really great. Van Damme does an excellent job. I was very happy with him. I hated him for what he does to uh, to one of the Expendables, and uh, the fight's great. So the the bad guy is way way better than the bad guy we get in Part One. So that alone automatically uh, is putting it above and beyond Part One. So let's get to uh, let's get to our our three cameo appearances. Uh, well, I should say two, Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger that we had in part one. And let's talk about their involvement in part two. So Bruce Willis's church, uh, church is uh, really, uh, he's a secretive central intelligence agency agent. So AKA CIA. And he, you know, he's kind of like originally supposed to be like a supervillain, but really he's not. They get into part two. What's the history between him and uh, and Stallone's character? Really good story about why he owes him one. And uh, you'll actually, as you know in the trailers, you see Bruce Willis and Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger are all fighting together against Van Damme. Uh, that scene does happen. I'm not going to tell you how it happens. It's some good stuff how it happens. But let's just say that it delivered, okay? Uh, Schwarzenegger did four days of filming, and you could totally tell because uh, Chuck Norris makes an appearance in this film, and uh, the the humor is great in this film. They make fun of Terminator, they make fun of Rambo, they make fun of uh, of Lone Wolf McQueen or Texas Ranger, any character that Chuck Norris played. They even make fun of the whole, you know, Chuck Norris can do anything. You know, that joke about how, you know, that whole stupid Chuck Norris crap about how anything Chuck Norris can do, you know, I'm better, whatever. They, they totally make fun of that throughout this film. It is hilariously awesome. Everything from like, you know, you do everything by yourself and you're a lone wolf and he makes fun of one of his characters. Uh, One of the characters that uh, he makes fun of, uh, his name is Booker. He's a retired military operative and uh, he plays homage to this movie in 1978. It's called Good Guys Wear Black. His character's name is John T. Booker, but he makes fun of like being a lone wolf and stuff like that. And Sylvester Stallone plays Trench, who is like, you know, kind of like an ally to Stallone. 
and uh, and it's just really great. They do a lot of uh, comments between, you know, this should be in a museum. Well, so should we. Uh, everything where they make fun of Rambo, the Terminator, the Die Hard. They actually make fun of Die Hard, which is great. Uh, there's just a lot of winks to the audience. I'm not going to tell you the lines that are said, the parts that they're done at, but just keep in mind that this movie knows well and in doubt what kind of film it is. That it's a big, fun action film and i love this is my favorite genre of film is action okay this is the stuff i grew up on 80s action is my favorite films of all time i just i love the arnold schwarzenegger bruce willis stallone blow them up action dirty language movies they're just oh they're so flipping awesome where you just Commando is just great. You know, Commando is my it's got to be is my number one favorite action film of all time. Schwarzenegger kills like 560 dudes and walks out with like two scratches and a bullet. I mean, he kills the entire planet Earth and he can walk away with not a bruise. I mean, it's just flipping amazing. I mean, Stallone uh and and Schwarzenegger have great lines to each other and uh they kind of make fun of uh they actually don't do any political jokes which is good times because they had in the church you know where they made fun oh he wants to be president someday which they don't do any political jokes which is really good but uh, the cameo appearances between Schwarzenegger and Willis has moved up so we get about a good 20 minutes I would say 20 to 30 you know 20 to 30 minutes we get with Willis Schwarzenegger uh and uh chuck norris and and uh and stallone and just to give you a heads up uh you know you can consider a spoiler if you want but uh chuck norris he shows up and you think he's gone like he he does his speech and he leaves and i was pissed off because i'm like seriously this is all we get a chuck norris but chuck norris does come back so if you're in the theater watching this don't freak out and think that Chuck Norris has just left the building because he will be back. And when he comes back, it's awesome. So just a heads up to you guys. And uh, lastly, let's talk about our new characters. Now, as far as this overall story goes in part two, it's a lot simpler than it was in part one. You know, part one, we had the whole thrown over the dictator and everything like that. The beginning of the film starts off where the Expendables are on a mission. They get the mission accomplished. They do. The church tells them they have to do this. Uh, they have to do this mission because of the fact of Stallone owes them one. And when they do this mission, one of the Expendables gets killed, and then the rest of the film is about them going after Van Dam. That's it. That's this. That's the story, basically. Nothing else you need to know about because there's a few tiny bit subplots in the film. But this is your main plot versus in the part one, it was kind of like, ugh, you know, it was just, it wasn't as simplistic as it could have been. But in this one, it's simple. Just as the trailer says, find them, hunt them, kill them, you know, and that's exactly what this film is. And that's why it works so much better than the first one. But we have some new blood in part two. So let's talk about Liam Helmsworth. So Liam Helmsworth, Billy the Kid. So he is, uh, if you don't know, Thor, he is Thor's brother. And uh, he's kind of famous because he just recently did the Hunger Games role. He's much younger than all of them, obviously. Uh, the Expendables have much respect for this guy. And you as the audience member, even though this guy is new, you're immediately going to love this kid when you watch him on screen. He's very respectable. 
Uh, he knows his crap. Uh, when you see the amount of damage that this kid can do, you're going to be like, holy crap, this guy's awesome. He's a former military sniper. So, and he was, he used to serve in Afghanistan. So when I say sniper, imagine what his sniper rifle will do to a body part. Okay. Heads blown off legs, body parts. It's just flipping amazing. Okay. So he is, he's excellent in this film. Stallone's character loves and adores this kid. Uh, he's really great. This is the kind of guy that, you know, uh, this kid want, loves the Expendables and he is very happy to be on the team. So he was a great addition to the film. Uh, so no worries about this guy. You will love and adore this kid. He's great, 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 great to have him added to the Expendables cast. And then we have um, we have a, we have a female character who has been attached to uh, the Expendables called Maggie, who is uh, who plays by uh, Yu Nan. Now, she hasn't done any American films that I can name that you're going to know her from, but she does a great job in this film. She's really good at weapons and fighting, and uh, there's good chemistry between her and Stallone's character, and uh, it's much better than the female character of Part 1, but the Expendables are in love with her, especially Dolph Lundgren's character. There's a lot of great dialogue between her Dolph Lundgren and uh, Terry Crews. A lot of great lines between these three characters that you're really going to love and crack up. I'll tell you, I laughed so much during part two. My chest was just hurting, man. My side could not stop hurting. I was laughing so much. If I was not just enjoying the, the explosions and the body parts flying everywhere, it was the laughs that I could not get enough of in this film. It was just so flipping hysterical. So yeah, she does a great job in the film. I was very happy with her. I was a little bit worried with her being added to the cast, how things were going to go with so many people on screen. But uh, kind of like The Expendables, man, everything worked out really, really well with everybody on screen. So overall, um, I would say that uh, you have to definitely go see this movie in the theater due to the big, sc- uh, the big screen. You got to see everything. Now, there was a rumor that you know originally the PG-13 this movie was going to be. There's no way... There's no way this movie could have ever been PG-13. I think that was just done to create some uh, some publicity because the amount of bloodshed that's done in this film, there's no way they could have changed this from a PG-13 to an R rating later. It was from day one rated R, man. It's just, you know, the director even said that the shooting style and dialogue from day one, it was rated R. So, uh, you know, it's just really great that uh that whole pg-13 thing didn't happen because that would not have worked in this film whatsoever so overall guys i just want to say that uh why do i love this film over everything else i've seen this year and i've seen a lot of movies in the theater this year you know i started off i saw underworld uh the new underworld in the theater it was my first 3d experience i saw journey 2 uh i saw spider-man i saw the dark knight rises and I saw this movie in the theater. So here's the thing. You guys know how much I love Batman. I mean, there's no way I even need to get into the talk about my love for Batman. Because I spent like, I don't know, five weeks on my love of Batman. And I did a lot of love for The Dark Knight Rises on my uh, on my review. And there's been tons and tons of uh, reviews all over the place for The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, everything's been said about that movie. Uh Here's the thing with The Expendables, and this is why the movie is my favorite of the year. Okay, 
The Dark Knight Rises is the better film because, you know, it's the it's the last of the Nolan series. It has a lot of meat to it. It's one of those films that you can constantly watch over and over and over and over again. And you're always going to find something new, something that adds to the story, whatever the case may be. Expendables 2 is flat out fun. It is super, super fun. Uh, you know, the Expendables, uh, not the Expendables, the Avengers. The Avengers was like five years built up to where, you know, it's going to be this epic, great film. And it was. It was super great. It was super fun. You know, that's my wife's favorite film of the year is The Avengers. It was one of those films that we had to go again and see. You know, because of the fact of action action films, the Arnold Schwarzenegger style 80s films are my favorite movies of all time. This brought me back to those years when I was a kid sitting in front of the TV watching Commando. This film took me back. I got to see every single action hero that I love and adore on the big screen again. I got to see Schwarzenegger. I got to see Willis. I got to see Stallone. I got to see Van Damme. You know, even Chuck Norris. I got to see Jet Li. I got to see Jason Statham, which is a new guy that I just love. Uh, I got to see just it was just Adolf Lundgren man I mean I got to see everybody back better than ever than the first one the laughs were so much better the comedy was so much better the drama was taken out of the film because it only needed one drama scene and it was done perfectly Uh, so you got exactly what you went in for you got to see everything blow up but you got to see it blow up way better than you were expecting you got to see better fight scenes you got to see better camera work better story better villain better um, action and most of all you got to see willis stallone and schwarzenegger tearing it up together like none other it was flipping amazing i i just loved it so much now uh it's gonna take a little bit of time because i'm going to receive the movie again i'm going to be seeing the dark knight rises again and and spider-man again so as of right now the Expendables 2 is my favorite film of the year. Uh, you know, and, and Dark Knight Rises is very, very close to to the top spot as well. I've really I say my top three films are The Expendables 2, The Dark Knight Rises, and The Amazing Spider-Man. And then The Avengers comes in after that. So it's the most fun I ever had at the theater with my wife. It was a great way to end our anniversary. It was super great. I loved it. And, uh, and oh, the violence was done so much better in this one, man. Oh, it's just so good. So overall rating-wise, the first movie, uh, a very strong four stars because of the fact of, you know, it was a first movie of its kind. It did really good. Uh, you know, it, it tried a couple different things. It did action. It did comedy. It did drama. But overall, though, uh, it was done, for the most part, it was done pretty good. We had some CGI bad blood that didn't look too great. Uh, we had more drama than we really needed to. The one drama scene with Mickey Rourke was good, but we had a little bit more than that throughout the film. We had kind of more story really and in a, in a big action film that's supposed to take place where you know it's like a big 80s action film we didn't need as much dictator story than we really needed so that's why it really gets just a solid four for me for part one the premise was good the idea was good but the execution was just done uh just a little not as great as it could have been because we had it's mostly Stallone and Statham's movie and the rest of the guys were just kind of you know in the background part two and this movie gets a solid five stars for me and and I'll tell you why number one it delivers in every aspect I wanted I got every single expendable 
every single expendable uh, got got the same amount of screen time as everybody else. Uh, you know, arguably Stallone obviously has more than anybody else, but that's that's a given. He's the main star of the film, so he's going to be given more time than everybody else. But the rest of the guys, the co-stars, all uh, were on screen together. They all had the same amount of screen time. Uh, the story was much, much better this time around. It was a simple plot. We had a much better bad guy. The jokes were better. The winks to the audience were better. Schwarzenegger was awesome. He was just he was he proved he could still do it. He still got the chops to totally kick anybody's ass. Uh, we had Willis, who you know, of course. Uh, the, the dude never ages, so he looks still like he's in his 30s. He was great. And uh, I love the new blood. Liam Helmsworth was great. The girl was great. Uh, Chuck Norris was great. And Van Damme was a great, awesome bad guy. Uh, for me, it's a total five stars because of the fact of I had so much fun with the film. And it was just, it was everything I wanted and more. So for me, and the, you know, the Dark Knight Rises, I have to think about and I have to really defend because there's a lot of like hate towards the Dark Knight Rises for various reasons versus The Expendables 2 is kind of like an easy leave your mind at home and go watch this movie film. You don't have to think when you watch The Expendables 2. And those are the kind of movies that I love where I can just sit back and just watch a movie get it get lost in the world and escape and just cheer and just like oh it's just this is the movies that i love and adore are the movies that you can just easily escape into and this is it for me man so this is a perfect five stars because of the fact of it's just so much fun are there problems with the film well there are two problems with the film and I'm going to talk about that in the spoiler section. However, the two problems I have, don't drop it from the five stars because of the other aspects I talked about. So I'm going to take a quick minute here and I'm going to talk real quick spoilers about the two things that I didn't like. So I'm going to warn you right now, uh, just skip ahead about a good minute or two minutes uh, to the emails uh, if you don't want to hear the spoiler section real quick, okay? Here are my two problems really quick. Number one, okay? Turn back now if you don't want to hear. Number one, Jet Lee. Jet Li is not in this film any longer than the beginning. Uh, he does an awesome fight scene. They rescue this uh, They rescue this guy and he takes him off to Japan. That's it. He's gone. The rest of the film, he is gone. The girl essentially is the replacement of Jet Li because she does everything like her fighting style and weapons and stuff is just as good as Jet Li. But Jet Li is gone. So that's why I thought Jet Li was going to die because of the fact of uh, he was gone and I thought he was going to come back and he or he like Van Damme would have him captive or something and Van and Van Damme was going to kill Jet Li but no Jet Li is gone there's no explanation why uh you know we we're not going to really see him again uh just that you know we're not going to see him for a little bit as well they talk about but they don't explain it in regards to like the stuff I've read why Jet Li isn't in it any longer than it needed to I don't know if it's because they added Willis and Schwarzenegger and Chuck Norris and all these guys that they had to cut somebody out but I was kind of disappointed all I got from Jet Li is just the beginning fight scene and that's it he's gone so that was my problem that I had and I really missed his character from part one and it really sucks he wasn't in it and it really immediately told me that when we get to the the scene where Billy the Kid dies I knew it wasn't going to be Jet Li because he wasn't there in the scene so and that's the second thing is Billy the Kid dying 
I think it's great that it was him that died, uh, but I don't at the same time because of the fact of he's brought in his new blood to the Expendables. Kind of like he's the one that's going to be in part three, you know, like maybe the new leader of the Expendables. You bring in this great guy that you love, that you, I mean, you as an audience, you immediately fall in love with this guy because of how great he is, his heart, his spirit. He's a younger guy. And then you kill him off. I think emotionally, it, it was good to kill him off because you were most emotionally invested in this character but it just sucks that you you brought this guy in just to kill him that kind of pisses me off it's like i thought jet lee was the one that was going to die and i still would be emotionally uh you know like oh that sucks that jet lee died but bringing in this new guy was even worse because of the fact of he was like promised to be like a new character the expendables that's going to carry on so him dying really sucked because i was like that that's that's why i said that scene is better than the mickey rourke sylvester stallone scene because him dying was just like wow because i thought jason statham was gonna die when the guy told him to pick up the thing and give it to me nicely i thought jason statham was gonna die there but he didn't and then when van damme kicks the 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 knife into his heart it was like oh my gosh i can't believe you killed him off so uh my two problems of the film are jet lee is not in the film and then that you kill off your new expendable billy the kid uh but you know sylvester Stallone has a great line where he's like why is it the ones that are are wanting to live are the ones that die and the ones that don't want to live are the ones that are not dying so it was a great line those are my two issues but again because of how awesome everything else was it didn't bring it down for me so that's my review guy of Expendables 1 and 2. And uh, let's get into and hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, for emails, I'm I'm not going to have as much as I normally do just because I released the episode earlier than you were expecting. So most of you are going to email in before, uh, you know, actually after this episode airs. So that's fine. We'll just read on the next email. So the first email I got on The Expendables was from Sebastian. And he's like, uh, what I saw to uh, France Flight Wrath of the Titans, uh, one star, great start, but fades to junk in 20 minutes. I never seen such piss poor father-son relationship. The visuals are good most of the time. John Carter of Mars, 3.8 stars. It's a good adaptation of John Carter and Mars books. It had some stand-up and cheer moments, which I didn't mind. I think it was a good uh, movie despite all the fanboy hate. Uh, the voice cast is good, I think. Uh, Kitsch as Carter did good job, same as Mark Strong as villain. I would uh, like some more scenes or moments and explain the difference between all four armed alien tribes and groups. And then he finally gets to Expendables. Uh, three great callbacks out of five in 80s action uh, released now. It works extremely well and it knows how to use its action stars completely or competently. Uh, the lines are quite cheesy, but they add to the 80s feel of the movie. Towards the end, you can feel Stallone's angst as he gets his butt given to him. If you're a guy and you don't at least once get up and cheer, there may be something wrong with you. Uh, Mike Mack, don't worry. I stood and cheered twice. 
and uh, Sebastian International. So thank you, sir, for writing in on your thoughts on The Expendables and then your other movies that you saw, sir. And then our last one comes from uh, John the Music Man. He's like, hello, STL and Mike. Well, I haven't seen Expendables 2, but I plan to. I missed the first Expendables when it came to the theater, but I finally bought the DVD a few months ago, which, you know, he asked me, uh, should I go see Expendables 2 in the theater? I was like, if you want our friendship to end, then don't watch it in the theater. He's like, okay, I'll definitely go see it. Uh, but he's like, uh, and wow, this is an awesome, fun movie. It felt like an 80s action flick brought to the present, and I'm a huge fan of 80s action flicks. So here is to wishing Expendables 2 is just as good, which from a good source says it's awesome. John the Music Man from Philly, which, yes, sir, it is not only uh, it's better uh, in all aspects than part one, sir. So uh, thank you so much for writing in, guys. If you want to write in, feel free. It's uh, sweepdelaypodcastyahoo.com. But having a little problems with my Yahoo, so make sure you send it to Gmail as well. That's stlpodcast at gmail.com. So that is it, guys, for emails. Uh, thanks so much for those of you who wrote in. And then the next episode is going to be the never-ending story. So make sure you write in for the never-ending story. Or if you've seen The Expendables or The Expendables 2, feel free to write in on that. I love to hear your thoughts. But that will be the next movie that I will be doing. So make sure you get your emails in on that. So uh, that is it for emails, guys. Let's get to the music spotlight. All right, guys, music spotlight time. I'd probably say that uh, next episode will probably be the end of the summer music spotlight series. So we'll definitely be going out with a bang on that episode. Uh, For this episode, I have two really good fun songs for you that I love to listen to in the summertime. Like I said, the first song is usually a song you haven't heard of too much. And then the second song is one that you would definitely know. So the first one, um, the name of this song is called Since I Met You. It's a great song. Uh, It's a super poppy, good, feely, you know, uh, pop rock song. Uh, Of course, I'll tell you who sings it on the next episode. Uh, Hopefully you dig this song. I totally love it. It's super fun. Uh, it's and it's it's kind of weird because it starts off kind of slow. And you think it's a slow song, and then all of a sudden it's like bam! It just totally kicks off. So some of you may actually know who this is. The voice may sound kind of familiar to you, but uh, check it out. I know you will love it. It's a great song. And then the second song uh, is coming from somebody that uh, we all love and adore. Actually, it's probably an artist that not everybody loves and adore. But you know, I figure with uh, with the fact of this is an '80s. Uh, throwback kind of feel episode i'm gonna have an 80s throwback kind of feel song so i'm going back to the 80s on this tune and uh hopefully you will dig it and uh and i can't wait for you to hear it and uh and that's it guys for the music spotlight obviously i'm not going to tell you who it is you'll just have to listen and find out uh, but that's it for the episode, guys. Thank you so much for checking in to this episode. Again, I know I, I posted it early, but it was kind of a surprise to you guys. But uh, this coming uh, this this coming week, I will not be recording a new episode. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on the Changing Channels episode that Jameson and I will be recording. Uh, we will be doing this podcast again. For those of you who don't know, Changing Channels is going to be a podcast that is dedicated to television. It's a podcast that will 
be taking one show every episode and uh, just going through from beginning to end uh, what we love about the show, uh, what we don't like, what are some of the best parts of the show. Just kind of go through the whole history of the show and just talk about it in depth. And uh, it's going to be a fun, good time. And then the second episode, we will be talking the whole series of 21 Jump Street. And there's been some uh, there's been qu- some questions on the show in regards to what are we covering. Well, anything is up for grabs. You know, like I said, cartoons will be up there. You know, some Thundercats, He-Man, all that fun stuff. Uh, there's going to be various shows. For the first couple of months, we are obviously going to be talking shows that we have seen. So we won't really be getting into the territory of shows we haven't seen. So that's how we're essentially going to be starting off because of the fact that it's a once a month podcast we don't want to have any crappy episodes so we'll be spending the time uh taking our time on various shows that we have spent a lot of time in our lives watching and uh in living color 21 jump street uh you know but anything's on the table anything from buffy to angel to newer shows like teen wolf all that stuff uh can be covered on the show at any point in time and uh and i'm very very excited for the show and uh i cannot wait for it to launch so i'll be working on that next week so once the show is available i will send you guys out the link on facebook and in the group so be on the lookout for the new show if you follow the show on twitter uh which will be cc podcast one on twitter you will get the information once the show is available on itunes so be on the lookout we're very excited for the show i can't wait for it to come out and it's going to be good times. And then don't forget this show. Like I said, uh, you'll still get uh, three episodes a month. Uh, you know, originally it said it was it was always four, but due to the fact of doing this show and the shadowy flight, uh, you're only going to get three episodes of STL because I'll be spending one week on uh, shadowy flight and uh, and changing channels podcast. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up. It's it's going to be good times. I'm very excited for it. So don't forget after uh, on STL after we do some never ending story and flight the navigator and zombie land the new voting process will start and then you guys will take over in determining what movies we're going to be doing so it's going to be a good time i'm very excited for that to happen so i want to thank you guys so much for checking out this episode hopefully you dug the review and uh i know you're probably some of you kind of shocked it's probably my favorite of the year but it's just because i had so much flipping fun with it man it was just so good so uh you guys take care masoonis out was at the end of my road had nowhere to go Was at the end of my rope I had nothing to show Until the day that I turned to you Was at the end of Side of me, I was as lonely as a man could be, and my two wonderful.